Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest on West Coast Live is a writer who's uh, long admired the, uh, the works of Catherine Ann Porter and Virginia Woolf, and her books have included uh, her first novel, Mama, and then The Disappearing Acts, Breaking Ice, an anthology of contemporary African-American fiction, Waiting to Exhale, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, mm-hmm. A Day Late and A Dollar Short. Several have been made into uh, successful motion pictures. Her new novel is called The Interruption of Everything. Please welcome Terry McMillan to us. Thank you very much for coming into West Coast Live. You're welcome. I love the accordion. I was transported to Paris. Have you had good times in Paris? Yes. I'm trying to go back now. I wish tomorrow I wish I could go. Well, you could do that, couldn't you? I was there a few minutes ago. Yeah, I was I, I, the, the film Amelie, uh-huh. among others. But I was just, I, I, I love that music. I couldn't believe it. I saw them in the back playing outside, and they were chastised a little bit for playing because of the neighbors, I guess. But I was like, accordion players in an alley in Berkeley. And then I came in here, and I was in Paris. It was great. We, uh, we do that with radio. Uh, I know. You know. And I, Would you like an aperitif? No, but I also love the other gentleman who just left. I heard the tap dancers on the way here on the freeway. I was mad. Um, I, 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 we, we would have. You mean that you weren't here to see them? Yeah, but I was. I heard them. <laughs> you didn't start tapping the gas pedal too no, much. I started thinking about um, uh, oh, Gregory Hines, and I just felt sad for a second there because he probably would have been here. Yeah, he would have been tonight. Here. Yeah, the Herbst Theater. Are you going to go? You could go. i got to clean my house. I've, I've been gone for a month, and I, 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 I have to clean it yeah. for the housekeepers. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The, uh, your, do you think much about your first character in Mama when you clean house? That would be my mother in real life. Um, yeah, I think about her every day, but not when I'm cleaning house. No. No, except she'd say, oh, t- can I say hell? Uh, hell, yeah. She'd say, oh, to hell with this house. You know, do something fun. So maybe I am listening. <laughs> I don't, maybe I do hear her. Um, Has it been a, a, a rigorous month on the road? <sighs> yes, it's been. It, 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 today is the 20th. I left on the 18th of July. And... Um, Yes, I should be levitating. Um, I have so many people that have been apparently praying for me. Um, I mean, unbelievable. Girl, give, let me give you a hug. I mean, um, someone was talking about the White House earlier. And uh, <laughs> in Washington, D.C., I had to go through some kind of security to get through. I don't know what kind of a radio station it was, but the security guard, the woman says, you look like you need a hug. And she's, she just grabbed me and embraced me. And I was like, I didn't know where I was. But I knew I was in Washington, D.C. 
But you get this reaction from readers a lot. I mean, you've touched so many readers over 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 the years that, that people seek you know seek you out. I imagine they, there are encounters in strange sections of the grocery store in the middle of personal errands. Um, only in the aisle where they sell Twizzlers, oh. <laughs> which is my weakness. Um, no, I've 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 had people recently yell out my name in airports. Um, girl, we with you all the way. I'm like, okay. Um, okay. Um, it's kind of scary sometimes, though. Um, Have you ever disguised yourself? I'm disguised now. <laughs> yeah, my hair, if I took this hat off, it would freak you out. Because um, I didn't get a chance to put my junk on it to make it curl. So what, what, what I see kind of peeking out is curling. That's about it. Yeah. That's about it. The, uh, the first time you did a book tour you know, for, for Mama, you went out and you self-promoted that book. You got a, a reaction from the, from the publisher. You got a press release and, and, uh, and a book, and, and you said, this is it, and you, question mark, and uh, you decided to go out and promote your book on your own. Well, it, it, that's true and not true. What happened was, back in those days, you know, I knew a lot of what the, the writers who had uh, formed what they had thought was an organization, a group called the Literary Brat Pack, which was like Mona Simpson, Tama Janowitz, Jay McInerney, um, David Levitt, and um, a lot of, and um, they all were going on book tours. Their books were all coming out around the same time. And I just assumed mine would too. And then my publisher told me it wasn't. And I was like, wait a minute, what's wrong with this picture? And I was the only black one. And I said, you know, this is like, not fair. And I had a book um, that was called How to Get Happily Published. And in it, it said how to be your own best sales force. And so I just basically took their advice since my publisher wasn't going to put their money where their mouth was. And I didn't try to shove my book down anyone's throat. I just said, you know, I didn't want to be the victim of the first novelist um, horror story in that, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I care a great deal about the story that I told. But once I finished with it, it's like toothpaste in a way. If no one knows that it exists, how will they be able to decide if they like it or not? And so, therefore, it wasn't that I was trying to promote myself or shove my book down your throat, but if you didn't know it exists, and there are a lot of books right now, really fine writers out there whose books don't get promoted, and, and no one knows, but I'm talking about them on my website, so they will get attention, because some, a lot of them deserve it. And, and as a result of that, you developed a, a fan base, which has uh, sort of also built, uh, built your, uh, your readership even and further. I think not so much a fan base as it was a reputation. And because um, poets and writers ended up publishing, they asked me if I would provide information on how I did this whole thing. And I could not have done it without the help of people in the um, mail room or the Xerox room or my supervisor at a law firm when I was freelancing in New York City. Um, and they all sort of were very kind and generous with other people's money and resources <laughs> by letting me um, mail all this stuff and Xerox all this stuff free of charge. And they all got books when they were <laughs> published. But technically- Do they still get books from you? No, but they do come to my readings. Um, Oh, you know, a lot of them have dispersed. They've spread out. And, um, I, you know, a lot of them say, you remember me from the mailroom? <laughs> but 
it, it, it all worked out. But po Poets and Writers is really good. A lot of writers apparently benefited from um, learning how my efforts um, ended up working. But, I mean, they still sell a little thing for a dollar to a lot of writers who I hope don't have to use it. You mean the guide on how to self-publish? Mm-hmm. Because it, 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 you know, it was a lot of work, and if you didn't have a word processor, which most people do now, uh, but postage, whew. Um, uh, not self-publish, but self-promote, self, -promote, self uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah self-promote. But, but, but again, it's, I hate to use the word self-promote because it almost feels like I'm a rapper or something and I'm trying to push my music. But that wasn't it. It really wasn't. I, and I even qualified my letter by saying, you know, I don't feel like uh, I'm the next black Virginia wolf or you do our wealthy or anything, but it's, I just wanted to know, because I did know about a lot of writers, black and white alike, um, whose works just went by the wayside. And it's your first, it's like having a baby, your very first baby. You want everybody to think your baby's cute. <laughs> That's why people leave the stroller open and, you know, <laughs> so you can see them. Um, but that was pretty much it, because you can't make people buy anything. You can't. They have to decide for themselves. And when you read something, you know, you, you, you decide usually on the first couple pages if it even has um, aroused your curiosity or your, piqued your interest. You know it immediately. So that was all I was asking to do, is just open it up and see if, if you care. That's, uh, that's something I think every artist wants, is, is the opportunity to be seen or, or heard and have people decide whether they want this in their life. Yeah, whether or not they care about the people that you are introducing them to, whose lives you are letting your reader walk in, in I mean, whose lives you are give, giving them a picture um, window that they can just walk through. And it's the same for the author. It's the same for me. You know, um, I mean, I feel like they are giving me an opportunity to look at what they care about, look at what's bothering them in their world and their lives, and, and they're giving me an inside scoop, and I get to walk in with them. You have a line in uh, The Interruption of Everything, uh, your new novel, where you, where you talk about uh, friendship being as blind as love, and you're describing women who've come into a, a, a beads and a store, and, and uh, your character is looking around and, and, and sort of sees them in a way for the first time, and I, it was an interesting thing to think about, that the idea that friendship could blind you in the same way that love could. I don't remember writing that. <laughs> you remember, remember your character's going to Fresno? Yep, 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 she's going to Fresno. You remember that uh, chandelier that, that was not for sale? Yep. That was uh -huh. Oh, you mean in the store in Montclair? In the store. Yeah. But something about friendship blinding you the same way as what? Love. <laughs> You know the way love can. Yeah, I know love can blind you. Believe me, um, but I don't. I, I don't. I don't remember her saying that about. Maybe Marilyn did, but I don't feel the same way. But that's I'm just that. that when I write this stuff, okay. You're just a channeler. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't think friendship blinds you quite the same way as love. I don't. I think that love is much more organic, and it's, it's, it's. Um, it's something that con is conjured up in you and you don't have much control over it. That's why it's so surprising. But friendship, I think, on the other hand, is a much more, it's a slow unfolding. There are things that when you meet someone, there's, there are things that come up and you realize that you are kind of moved by it or intrigued or fascinated by something a person does, the way they gesticulate, their movements, 
just the way they look and their sound, the tone of their voice, all of it. And then the next time you discover a little bit more and the next time a little bit more and you kind of like, and there may be something else that you don't quite like but it's not enough to cancel out all the things that you do. And that's how friendships to me unfold and they develop in the same way in characters. But I don't see love like that because that's why we get into so much trouble. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 uh, it's almost, um, it's almost as if you don't have a choice, which is why I think a lot of us fall so hard and then we won't kick ourselves later. Are you kicking yourself hard? No, no, no. Because I believe that things happen for a reason. And you, 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 you enjoy what it is that makes you feel good as long as you're not violating anything and breaking any laws. And I mean, what lasts forever? Nothing, as far as I know. Well, the interruption of everything sort of suggests, uh, it reminded me of that uh, uh, quotation you know, uh, uh, about uh, life happens when you're making plans. Mm -hmm, to do something else. <laughs> and then the detour becomes the trip, yeah. you know? Uh, well, you've had a number of detours in your life. Oh, yeah, I'm on one now. <laughs> yep, but I will not be deterred, Whoa. okay? I can put up my own signs. So when you when you look uh, back at this moment at, at your uh, uh, at Mama uh, and your other things that you've done in in your life, can you see a path that's led to where you are now, and can you imagine what that might be into the future? Um, I'll put it this way: I don't really have any regrets. I think that all I try to do is pay attention to a lot of the music. I don't care if it's jazz or blues or rap or rhythm, rock and roll. All of the beats that come into my life. I try to pay attention to them, um, and I respect them, and that means people. Um, I respect them, and everything I think that happens in your life is causal, and you can react to them, to it, or if you ignore it, it haunts you. You can't ignore a lot of things, and I don't, I think, um, I have, Love, I love very hard. I take people that come into my life very, very hard. Everything, everything, and that's part of my problem. I think there's a part, lot of uh, artists in general, that's a lot of our problem. Um, we take everything too ser so seriously, and we take it to heart, and we are really affected by it when things work go awry, or they don't work out. The fantasy isn't quite, doesn't live up to your fantasy. Um, but I don't have any regrets, because I think I like the idea of taking risk. I really do, and I'm willing to deal with the consequences. And sometimes they aren't as pleasing as the fantasy was, but what the hell. So can you uh, uh, imagine writing a, a different kind of book? Uh... Oh yeah, I've already, I'm writing a book. <laughs> I'm writing stories uh, from, I have a cat, his name is Dilbert. I have a 250-gallon reef tank, fish tank, and I used to have about 60 birds, um, but they mostly belong to my soon-to-be ex-husband, and now I just have 10. And they're lovebirds and um, budgies. Um, and two so he's taken 50 and you're getting no, 10. He gave, he gave them away, um, but I kept 10 of them. And, um, and I had a dog, Timber, he's gone. He's a black, he was a black lab, and I had him for like 14 years. And so 
I'm, I'm writing stories from animals' points of view, from pets' points of view, and it's how they see us as human beings. And um, we get on their nerves. <laughs> we, they think we're really stupid. They don't understand why we talk on the phone, why we watch television. They don't understand why we also ignore them when they are important, so they think. Um, but we make a lot of decisions that they just think are asinine, that are ridiculous. And um, things that they find, that we find disturbing. You know, my cat is like, Dilbert just lies on the couch and he's like, why is she always so worked up? <laughs> you know, and I, I, there are a lot of things that I think we can learn from them. So I think that they think that we are, that our behavior is absurd. And I like looking at things from their point of view. <laughs> okay, so when you, when you prepare for a character, I uh, imagine that you draw up a very long list of attributes, of history, of, uh, of, of story to imagine them. Were you then, or are you doing that then the same for the cat? And how do you get into the cat's no, kind of imagination? No, no, I'm not doing that with them because I sort of, I don't think it really matters. They don't have a lot of baggage. <laughs> and they are much more, is it existential? They, they are sort of like right here. And, and, and they, they, they count, their history started when they got in this house. That, that's the beginning of their so-called evolution. And um, at least what I have gathered is from, from their point of view, except my dog. His name was Neil when I got him from the pound. And uh, we changed. My son called him, um, oh, it was a long name, about timber, high, some, not high old silver, but something about timber. It was a long name, and we shortened it to timber. And apparently Neil was grateful, but because um, <laughs> it was Timber View, Timber View, but it was a sentence, actually. Um, he, I think, was just grateful because he had to live in a bigger house, yeah. and uh, he had a swimming pool. <laughs> he loved a swimming pool. He didn't have a pool at the pound, um, <laughs> but. Two weeks before I had to have Timber put to sleep, um, and I knew it, and I was kind of, um, I didn't want to do it, but he was miserable. But the th three weeks before I knew it was probably he was going downhill, he had started watching TV. <laughs> and I started giving him, he had ribeye steak, I put gravy on it, I let him just pig out. And he knew something was up, <laughs> because he got to sleep on my favorite rug and he would watch TV. I mean, he was watching American Idol. <laughs> I'm not making, he was watching TV. And he would turn to watch me cook, and he was like, am I getting gravy again today? What happened to that dry food? Something, but he was like, and then Dilbert the cat would just lie next to him, and he was like, no salmon for me, please. <laughs> okay, no, he hated salmon, and he was, a little jealous because Timber was getting all the gravy. Um, I think that they had a history together, but I don't know if they know what their history was before, so I don't go there. But um, what I liked was the fact that as a cat, when, when Dilbert came into the house, Timber liked him immediately. They, did not dis they didn't know they weren't supposed to like each other, and I liked that a lot. 
So there was something about the animals that uh, can kind of transcend a lot of the, the human junk that goes on. <laughs> yeah, they don't discriminate. You know, they don't discriminate. I think Timber was gay. Oh. <laughs> and or if they do discriminate, they make it very clear in this kind of predator-victim relationship. But they, they, they loved each other. Yeah. They really did. And they slept on the same rug. That's a, that's a, that's a sweet story. And, and I can see why that life seems simpler than the world of very messy human emotions. Yeah, they don't have to worry about call waiting, <laughs> email, you know, because last night Dilbert comes in, and it is about 11 o'clock, and he comes in, and I'm getting an email from a friend in Paris. And, and, and he comes up, and he just says, meow. And I was like, you know what? I've given you love about an hour ago. Could I just have a little piece? And he was like, he rubbed up against me, and he was like, meow. And, he was, and then he just looked at me like, the last time you were home, there was a little something that ran into this office. It was called a mouse. I took care of him for you. <laughs> this is the love I get? Which is more important? What if that same little, another little mouse, what if his little brother ran out from out here now? You'd be freaking out, and you'd want my attention. So how about giving me some respect? Okay? And that I, message got through. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. That's how they talked to me. I knew that's what he meant. I knew it. Uh, You've read Dr. Doolittle? No. No. I should have, but I didn't. Great kid's book. Um, I got enough of them I've read. Yeah. If I hear Goodnight Moon, Liza, Liza, whatever her name in the yellow belly swan, oh, I've got my share. <laughs> and even um, Chris Van Arlsberg, what was the... Um, One of those train books or Polar Express? Or? They, they made a movie about... Well, they made a couple of movies, Polar, Polar Express. Express, and then there was the Jungle Book, too, yeah, Jungle. But I have all of his books, and I have the Polar Express signed. And my son, when he was little, I mean, all of these, are, all of these books, I mean, believe me, I have read my share of children's books. Well, so you can, you can understand kind of that simple connection with the, the animal wor world. Um, do animals have menopause? I suppose some, I suppose they do. I don't know, but the little bitch that was in my house for a while, her name was Tallulah. She belonged to my soon-to-be ex-husband. She was a giant schnauzer, and she had a, a, a friend. His name was Max, and he was a little mentally challenged. Um, I think Tallulah was menopausal when she got there. She was PMSing for sure. Um, I couldn't stand her. I didn't like her. And I'm glad she's gone. And if you're out there, Tallulah, bye. Good riddance. <laughs> Everybody loves, I don't like all animals. I'm going to see that movie Grizzly, too. Oh, the documentary. Uh, was it, uh, yeah. What's his name who made it? Um, the audience I knows. I don't know if I want to see it alone. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my son, who's 21, he said, Mom, it's funny. I can't imagine the movie being, he's 21, okay? He's, he's on a whole different... <sighs> you remember your hormones at 21? No, I don't think I was PMSing at 21. I don't think I started PMSing until somebody called me a bitch. And I was like, what? And then I realized I was. <laughs> and I realized it was a reoccurring thing every month. So um, seriously, I mean, 18, 19, I don't think a lot of girls, maybe now 
days. But, um, you know, I mean, it's real. It's real. But men go through their own little version of it, too. Of which you have much to say in the interruption of everything. Through it. Oh, I go through it. Just kidding. Nice glasses. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And those red shoes, they say a lot. They say a lot every week. <laughs> I like them. I like them. I like them. I was. Uh, I got a tap dancing lesson from Arthur Duncan, or from uh, uh, from his colleague uh, today, Channing, with these. And the only problem was is that these shoes have got very soft soles. You couldn't hear it. But I learned how to do a shuffle. Well, he said you could do it in the shower. I mean, bare feet. You asked him that. Yeah. That sounds tricky to do to me. You don't want to have a bar of soap on the floor of the shower. Well, I'll put it this way. I could hear you tapping anyway. Then Mitchell did a good job, Mike, in the tapping. Thank you, Mitchell. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, the fact that you had accordions, accordion, how do you say it? Accordions. Accordionist. Yeah. Well, and, and if they want to be kind of French-esque, uh, you know, kind of le, uh, le accordioniste, I don't know. I was thinking about, uh, and, and, and dancers, I mean, from two different parts of the body, you had music yeah. um, today. I thought that was pretty cool, actually, that their fingers and their hands, I mean, their toes and their, their feet and their hands. I thought that was, well, I was sitting back there, like I said, I was being transported, so... Well, thank you for transporting us to the animal kingdom. I think it's... I, do you have a title for the new book? Uh-uh. Is it coming quickly? Not this one. I th it may be written down somewhere, but I haven't looked at it in a while. But I have another nonfiction book that I've... Uh, I have about a thousand pages of called Don't Pity the Fool. Nonfiction? Definitely. Yeah. Well, we will look forward to that. The Interruption of Everything is about uh, people whose lives are uh, constantly getting interrupted by the unexpected and people at midlife and hormonal changes at that time in their life as they move onward. And it's written with your usual aperçu. <laughs> is a Parisian word. I don't know what it means. It means like insight, kind of a little gestalt. Uh huh. I think you know what it means. I tried. I lie, but I tell the truth. Terry <laughs> McMillan, The Interruption of Everything, published by Viking. Thank you very much for being here on West Coast. Thanks for having me. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.